Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we're featuring comedian Joe Penner, Al Jolson, and Milton Berle. On April 30th, 1938, the CBS radio studios in Hollywood opened their doors for the first time with a star-studded program featuring the most famous names in show business. Included in the program that evening was this excerpt from one of the wittiest comedians of the 30s, Joe Penner. Calling New York, calling Chicago, calling Hollywood, calling all America. Clank, Kokomo presents the Joe Penner program. And now it's time for Joe Penner. For several weeks, Joe has been trying to break into radio as an announcer. Tonight, the Columbia Network is holding an announcer's contest, and Joe thinks he has a chance to win. And now, entering the office of Mr. Charles Gander, the program director, we find the black sheep, (laughs) Joe Penner. Come in, come in. Well, well, what is it, young man? Look, I've been all over this radio station. Maybe you could tell me where they're holding the announcers' tryouts. Yes, this is the place. But don't tell me you want to be an announcer. Well, I, I felt as though I should lend my voice to radio. <laughs> I'm sure it was just a temporary loan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'll have our host to show you to the audition room uh, where you'll meet the other contestants. Sadie, Sadie. Yes, Mr. Gander? Uh, this is Mr. Penner. Take him to Studio B for the announcers' contest. Oh! Oh, so you're going to be an announcer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we'll be great friends, won't we? <laughs> well, come along with me, Mr. Penner. Okay. Sadie, look, do you think I might win this contest? Well, that all depends. Huh? They're looking for an announcer with plenty of speed. Are you a fast talker? My fast talker? <laughs> what are you doing tonight, babe? Hmm? Well, of all the nerves. Can you meet me at 8 o'clock? Sure. We'll have dinner? Go to a show? Then it's home and good night. Good night. Boy, that's the fastest date I ever had. <laughs> oh, Joe. Droopy, what are you doing here? Oh, Mr. Drusner has entered the contest, too. What? Say, Droopy, are you trying to beat me out of this job? Why not? I'm a pretty fast talker myself. What are you doing tonight, babe? Dinner? Show? Home and good night. Good night. You win. Oh, good evening, folks. When did this contest start? Oh, now, who is this? Oh, Mr. Drusen and Mr. Penner. Hmm? This gentleman is Mr. Ramsey, another contestant. Yeah? He's the fastest radio announcer in the world, aren't you, Mr. Ramsey? I'll say I'm fast. What are you doing tonight, babe? You're too late. We cover that. <laughs> I'll say we did, Mr. Ramsey, and you're going to have to be plenty fast to stay in this company. Why is that so? Well, listen, I can read so fast. The other day I grabbed the book of Anthony Adverse and bang. <laughs> read it in five minutes. Oh, yeah? Well, the other day I grabbed the book of Anthony Adverse and boom, I read it in four minutes. <laughs> you think that's good? The other day I grabbed the book of Anthony Adverse. Ooh. What happened? I couldn't lift it. <laughs> Here comes Mr. Gander. Well, boys, we're about to begin the contest to determine who is the world's fastest announcer. Uh-huh. And remember, the winner not only gets a job, but also a grand prize for $500. Oh, boy, give me the money. <laughs> no? Save your speed. Yeah. Now, I'll give each of you a number. Yeah. Mr. Goop Stoot, you are number one. Thank you very much, Mr. Gander. I'll certainly do my best to win this contest fairly. Conduct myself as a gentleman. Splendid, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Goop Stoot. Now, Mr. Ramsey, you are number two. Thank you very much, Mr. Gander. I'll certainly do my best to win this contest fairly. Conduct myself as a gentleman. Well spoken indeed. And now, Mr. Penner, you 
will be number three. Thank you, Albert. Uh, I didn't know what you said, Mr. Penner. Did you hear what the other said? Yes. Well, that's it. <laughs> All right, now, gentlemen, here yeah. are the rules. Yeah. You can have a copy of The Night Before Christmas. Yeah. Now, when I call your name, start reading. And when you hear the bell, you stop. Uh, do we each read the same thing? Yes, you each read the first verse on the first round. Uh -huh. Then you jump to the second and so on. Now, yeah. remember, read when you hear the name, stop when you hear the bell. And don't forget to take a deep breath. All ready now, Mr. Noop Snoop. <sighs> The night for Christmas, also the house and creature turning even a mouse. Stuck in the front of the chimney can, hope to take notice of the bang. Mr. Ramsey! <laughs> For the night for Christmas, also the house and creature turning even a mouse. Stuck in the front of the chimney can, hope to take notice of the bang. Mr. Penner! <laughs> Mr. Doofy! <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ramsey! 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 Mr. Ram
No, aren't you sorry? It's time to say good night. <laughs> I think Joe Penner was great. You know, the man billed as the world's greatest entertainer, Al Jolson, also appeared on the Columbia Square dedicatory program. He brought his charm, his wit, and his magnificent singing style to listeners from coast to coast. <laughs> Hollywood, California, the makers of Life Boy present Al Jolson. So right now, we bring you the Life Boy of the airwaves in person, Al Jolson himself. Thank you, Tiny, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Al, before we go any further, what's your reaction to this wonderful new building? Well, to me, Tiny, it looks like Flash Gordon's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but Tiny, I don't know, I'm only clowning Really, this building to me is magnificent And let me tell you something It's so modern And there's so much steel and concrete in it That when I came in tonight There were 15,000 termites Walking up and down the sidewalk Picketing the place <laughs> Go ahead, applaud if you want I don't care <laughs> And another thing, Tiny do you know what this building actually costs? Al, I haven't got the slightest idea. Well, I'll tell you, and it'll surprise you, too. It costs $37 billion. Wait a minute, Al. You're thinking of the national debt. <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, Tiny, I... Uh... Thank you, thank you. I, uh, I never saw a building like it. Why, they even have shower baths and all the dressing room for the actors. Every modern improvement imaginable. And, and another thing you'd never expect, air conditioning in every room, so help me. Well, tell me, Al, how do they get air conditioning in every room? Simple, Tiny. They keep a sponsor and a congressman in each room. If you're hot, the sponsor will cool you off. <laughs> and if you get chilly, just turn on a congressman. He'll give you all the hot air you want. <laughs> you know, Al, all this progress is so marvelous. Yeah. But I don't want to seem sentimental, but just think, not so many years ago... This was all farmland here, you know. Mm -hmm. Why, Al, there was probably a beautiful cow standing on this very spot, mooing, giving milk. Well, it's not so different today, Tiny. Now we have announcers mooing, and you can buy milk across the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of milk, Al, how's that little three-year-old son of yours? Oh, now you're going to start me, Tiny. We won't get through with this broadcast for two hours. Don't start about my kid. <laughs> I don't want to brag, folks, about my son, but the other day... He said the cutest thing. Well, tell us, Al, what was it? Well, he happened to be playing out in the backyard, and he ran across three empty milk bottles. And he came running up to me, and what do you think my little boy said? I can't imagine, Al. What did he say? He said, look, Daddy, I found the cow's nest. <laughs> hit it, Vic. Hit it, boy. I live the life I love. All worldly cares about. I'm carefree as the breeze, doing as I choose, going where I please. Oh, I live the life I live, no moon could ever give more romance from above. That's the reason I live the life I When I was young, it was so heavenly. 
to be alone in my dream reverie. I could close my eyes and travel far. Sometimes I journey to a star. I've never lost that illusion, it seems. Day after day, I continue my dreams. That's the reason I can safely say I am a happy, calm, what a man. Or I live the life I love, yeah. All worldly cares above, yeah. I'm carefree as the breeze, doing as I choose, going where I please. Oh, I love the life I live. No moon forever gives more romance from above. That's the reason I live the life I love. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a little chorus or two from a big hit of this year. I think it's number two on the hit parade in Encino, California. I, uh, I see your face before me. Take it, Vicky. I see your face before me Crowding my every dream There is your face before me you are my only theme It doesn't matter where you are I can see how fair you are I close my eyes and there you are Always I see your face before me Crowding my every dream There is your face before me you are my only theme It doesn't matter where you are I can see how fair you are I close my eyes and there you are way. If you could share the magic If you could see me too There would be nothing tragic in all my dreams of you Would that my love could haunt you so Knowing that I want you so I can't erase your beautiful face Before me Gossip columnist George McCall also appeared on the program that evening in 1938, and it was his good fortune to introduce one of the young, rising comedians of the day. Milton Berle, that sparkling young comedian of radio and screen, has just signed a 10-year contract with RKO Pictures. And here he is in person, Milton Berle. 
Thank you, thank you, George, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. George, I don't know where you get your information, but uh, it's true. It's true, I did. I just signed a 10-year contract with RKO Pictures. Now I'm waiting for them to sign it. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine a whole company mislaying one bottle of ink? <laughs> but, George, I am working for RKO right now. Then take my advice. Here's my advice to RKO. Yeah. They should grab you for life. You better talk louder. This thing might not be connected. You know. Don't worry, Milton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering, you know. The new studio. Don't worry, Milton. It's connected. You're broadcasting from a modern studio as there is in the entire radio world. Well, George, I'm very well aware of uh, what this uh, occasion means tonight, and I consider it a privilege to be present at the dedication of what certainly is a landmark in radio history. I feel so honored that I... I went the whole way tonight. <laughs> I did, I did. For the, for the first time since I came to Hollywood, I'm dressed formal. Yeah, I notice you're wearing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have got shoes on, and it only took three blacksmiths to hold me. <laughs> there will be a two-minute silence out of respect for the joke which just died. <laughs> Milton, <laughs> speaking of jokes that just died... I remember that picture you made last year. New Faces. Yes. I saw that picture. Look, Milton, I, I saw that picture. Lovely studio they have here, don't you think so? Yeah, but Milton, I saw that picture. Were you the one? Yes, yeah. I was the one. <laughs> you, there was a picture, boy. It had a sneak run in New York. I noticed it's playing over in Glendale this week. Yes, it is a wonderful picture, and I'm going to keep seeing it until I like it. George, I don't want to alibi, alibi about... <laughs> I wish they'd print these a little plainer. I, uh, I don't want to alibi about my performance in that picture, but the janitor of the studio signed an affidavit which clears me uh, completely. The janitor will swear to that. Some of the best scenes I made wound up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I really mean it. Would you believe it? I mean it. Till this day, I get fan mail from mice. <laughs> but George, enough... Enough of this falderal, enough of this banter and this badinage. I, I'd really like to go on record as adding my profound admiration of this great studio that is to be the future home of the Columbia Network in Hollywood. You're right, Milton. It's another step upward in the annals of radio progress. Uh, can you imagine an, an organization like Columbia going to all the trouble of buying a tremendous piece of valuable property, hiring thousands of workers, taking two years and spending over a million dollars to erect a tremendous studio one block square that can be seen from any place in Hollywood just to remind me, I haven't got a program. <laughs> well, Bill, Bill, I heard you when you did have a program. I used to tune in on you every Sunday night. Yeah. And in my opinion, your humor was scintillating. Your comedy was dynamic in delivery, and for sheer suavity and delightful divertisement, you were unexcelled. George, you know that 10-hour rehearsal we had didn't hurt you a bit, did it? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But now that you mention it out of a clear sky, it gave me a great deal of pleasure to make 10 million people chuckle each Sunday. How many, Milton? I say the 25,000 who uh, heard me certainly laughed. What number, Milton? The 500 who tuned me in screamed hysterically. How many? My mother, she howled. <laughs> I'd still be on a little longer, but my sponsor howled a little louder. <laughs> Milton, what program were you on? Well, I was on for the Gillette Razor. Oh, yeah. Yes, I enjoyed working for the Gillette Razors, but the only thing that annoyed me was that they kept trying out their product on my salary. <laughs> at least... <laughs> well, at least they should have lathered my check before they shaved it. <laughs> Bill, do you remember the last we had, the first time we met? 
Get that laugh on that McCall. <laughs> a Don Wilson on a diet. George, this, oh, this is a scoop, I must tell you. I just heard that there was a baby born at the Cedars of Lebanon Hospital yesterday, and one of the visitors said, my, what a clever-looking baby. So the kid ran out and got a lawyer. <laughs> now they won't be able to pin anything on him. But I like, I, I like Hollywood. I really, I'd rather lay off here than any city that I know. Ah, Hollywood with its premieres. Well, have you seen any premieres lately? I did. I saw a test pilot last week. I took Carol Lombard to see that. Milton, you took Carol Lombard? Didn't say Shirley Temple. <clears throat> Look, I happen to get around a bit, Milton, yes. and I don't doubt your word. But every time Carol Lombard goes to the movies, Clark Gable goes with her. So that's who was sitting on my lap. <laughs> I thought it was funny when she asked me for a cigar. <laughs> well, I have more trouble with my social life, George. After the premiere, I went to the Trocadero. That's a cabaret, folks. Well, it's not exactly a cabaret. It's the Hollywood branch of the United States Treasury. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> wonderful place. Oh, marvelous. They got three waiters to each table. One gives you the check and the other two revive you. <laughs> I don't mind the prices, but I do want some respect. Well, Milton, I don't understand. Well, George, look. At the Trocadero, they got a special co-checking system, and each celebrity has a special hook for his coat in the check room. And I gave the fellow my coat, and he threw it on the floor, right on the bottom, and I was mad. Because it was a top coat. So I, I... No, I burnt up. I burnt up. I said, you can't handle my coat that way. Each star is supposed to have a special hook for his coat, and I want one. I'm Milton Burrow. When you told him you were Milton Burrow, I'll bet he gave you a hook. Right on the chin. <laughs> Boy, was I mad. I was so mad, I left without taking the salt shakers. Well, uh, so long, George. I've got to be going. Well, so long, Milton. Oh, but, George, wait a minute. Before I leave, I, there's something I just remembered. It's maybe a little late, but... I have a Christmas present for you, George. Why, Millie, how could you do such a thing? Talk into the mic, they'll hear you. <clears throat> oh, it's, it's nothing, it, but it certainly, uh, this present fits a man whose job is selling cigarettes for old gold. Here you are, George. Why, it's a cigarette case. It's a cigarette case, and oh. uh, uh, I, may I read the inscription? Yeah. I had it engraved, you don't want to read it. It says, to George McCall from his pal Milton Burl, famous for songs, bits of stuff, zippy sayings, available for bazaars, confirmations and banquets. <laughs> Special rate to picnic parties. Just phone Gladstone 0469. It's a meat market, but they'll call me. <laughs> so, I thought you'd like it. So until you call me, good night, George. Good luck, CBS. And good evening, everybody. That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. When somebody goofs, there's a big uproar and it causes a lot of commotion. But what happens when you do a job right? Well, in this case, there isn't usually any fuss or fanfare to mark the occasion. Just the quiet pride of knowing you are a professional in the business of protecting your country. It's a big job and it needs all you can give it. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you back next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past on this, the American Forces Radio and Television Service. <laughs>